Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. Today we are starting uh, a new episode, something that we've been uh, trying to do for a while with the past almost year and a half. We've been covering uh, in our career call a lot of people that work in academia, but today we are going to bring something new. We are going actually to bring uh, a guest that works in the industry. So hopefully you guys are going to have a different perspective than, than only academia and we can talk about some of the industry uh, opportunities out there. So before we, I call our guest, let me go ahead and call Brooke Latek. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great, great. So, Brooke, today we, we have a, a guest that's it's located a little bit on uh, on the east side of us and, and north is not suffering a lot with the heat that we are right now, right? We are like, well, I don't know how, how hot it is now, but we are over the hundreds. So yes. uh, let, let's go ahead and, and call Jeff Clark. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Pedro. How are you today? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good, good. Brooke, hi. Nice to uh, speak with you guys and thanks for having me on. Great, great. So Jeff, thank you very much for, for accepting uh, I'm very excited today, like we've talked, to bring this this different perspective uh, and and give the people who are, are listening to us uh, what are the opportunities on the commercial side as well, not only in academia. So, Jeff, I, I always start with very, very simple questions that I joke like you, you cannot miss those questions. Then we are going to talk about many other stuff. So the first two questions are what, where you're from and what do you do? You bet. So I'm from California, Northern California specifically. I grew up uh, in kind of the East Bay Area, Pleasanton, Sonoma, Livermore, that area. Um, and currently, uh, I'm in business development and sales for Sea uh, Lock Inc., uh, based out of Rapid City, South Dakota. Great, great. So uh, knowing that, like you grew up in Northern California, live in South Dakota now. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about like how and, and why you decide to work with cattle and uh, in agriculture in general, more specifically with, with cattle? How, how was that developing in your life? You bet. So my grandma was actually from Ogallala, Nebraska, um, Sand Hills area. She took me on a trip out that way, roughly around the age of 10. And I remember when we when we went out there, we kind of vacationed at Lake McConaughey right there, which if you're not familiar, it's a very large lake with nice sandy beaches. And we took a drive through the hills and ended up in Arthur, Nebraska. Um, I just I, I couldn't believe the grass uh, production in the cattle. And this was at the age of 10. No experience. No one in my family was in uh, the livestock or ag industry. Um, I just looked around and and I said, I, I, this is what I want to do. Uh, more specifically, I want, I'm, you know, I wanted to ride. Uh, I, I, I decided that day, you know, you're going to learn to rope. You're going to, you're going to do it all. And, um, I just fell in love with it. So when I, I returned home, uh, to the East Bay, I got involved with, you know, 4-H because that was really the only thing available to me, made some friends with some property, you know, uh, they were nice enough to allow me to start to ride, learn to rope at their place. Um, you know, I, uh, I just kind of decided it was what I wanted to do. And then I worked, um, you know, just every step of the way to gain the skills necessary, uh, in order to do this. Um, you know, when, when I turned, um, 18, um, you know, honestly, I didn't have good enough grades to get right into Cal Poly. 
Um, so I ended up uh, moving down with some family on the Central Coast and going to Cuesta College um, and uh, was a uh, uh, six-year, uh, four-year degree uh, <laughs> student, um, three years at Cuesta College, three years at Cal Poly. But, you know, during that time when I moved down to um, San Luis Obispo in that area, I was lucky enough uh, to basically um, – land a position at a local, uh, feed store, anyone down there, uh, who's gone to school down there knows about farm supply. So, um, it's kind of your local, your local store where, um, all farmers, ranchers will go to get various supplies. Um, you know, I just started working in the back there and met some good people with some local ranches and started helping them on their property. Um, by the time I was about 19, um, I owned some cattle and was running those um, on one of those places kind of in in payment for the help and labor of running the operation, um, you know, day to day operation and, um, you know, kept the horse out there um, and just kind of continued to develop those skills. And, um, you know, and moving on, I, I made some good friends who introduced me um, to some folks um, that uh, at the time, uh, ran the Santa Margarita ranch. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, mention Aaron Lazanoff. He's the current beef operations manager at Cal Poly. So, um, anyway, I, I had met Aaron through some mutual friends and, um, you know, he made a move to Cal Poly right when I made the move from Cuesta to Cal Poly. Um, so it was a really good, uh, kind of transition for me knowing someone on the beef side, um, you know, at Cal Poly, um, you know, and he was new. Um, I was new and, uh, I was lucky enough to get hired as a, a beef department employee at that time. Um, and I actually moved into some housing they had at the beef cattle evaluation center for any of you that have been out there. Um, there's a, there's a little barn next to kind of a manufactured home they have out there. Well, where the office now is where, where Zach McFarland's office is actually, um, in that building, um, uh, and, and Aaron's office. That's where I lived. Um, so it was pretty rough, uh, moving in there, but it was well worth it. And man, I'll tell you what, I just, you know, at the time, Mike Hall was still at Cal Poly as well. And, uh, what I learned from Aaron and Mike just shaped the rest of my career. I mean, you know, I went in there pretty green, like, yes, I had owned some cattle and done some stuff, but like I said, I mean, I, you know, I didn't grow up in this industry. I just kind of had to, to learn it. And, and pursue it. And so um, the opportunities for managing uh, the Escuela Ranch project, managing the bull test at Cal Poly led to um, just other opportunities and, and in networking opportunities that have kind of uh, continued to, uh, you know, bring me down the road. So that, that's pretty, that's pretty cool, uh, Jeff. We actually have recorded uh, a podcast with Zach early this year and, and he talked about the bull test and everything. So it was, it was pretty cool to see that you work there as well. Uh, one of the things that I, I noticed is uh, you, even though you didn't grow up in, in this industry, you always try to be involved early on in your career. Like you said, working uh, on farm supply and, and things like that. Can you tell us how how you developed this idea of like going out there and like asking for like you had any person guiding you or you were just doing that on your own? Like how were you seeking for those opportunities? A lot of time, a lot of times I see that young students, they are kind of, I don't know if it's shy or or something, they they hesitate to go out there and looks like you were doing that 
pretty well, like early on in your career. Is that something that you you feel that you you have that in, in your own or you had to develop that? No, I appreciate that question. Um, quite frankly, I think that's why I've ended up uh, in sales is <laughs> just uh -huh. because I, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy helping people. Um, but I think why I feel like um, I enjoy my job and why I've been kind of, you know, at, why I've done well in this role is just because um, I work hard too. And, and that brings it back to, you know, when I was young, I worked for free a lot. I mean, I would sign up for any, like, I would go brand calves. I would go build fence. I would process cattle, all of it for free on my own dime because I needed to build those tools. I knew there were going to be some points, you know, in the processing where something was going to pop up. I didn't know. And I may be a hindrance for that short window of time and to, you know, to only pursue opportunities where I was being paid as an asset to the operation didn't make sense early on. I mean, I can't tell you how much I've done for free just to, to get to the point where now people call me, you know, to consult. Um, and it's just, it's, but you have to be able to, to work and you have to, um, you know, look at those opportunities and, uh, and make them. I don't know. I had no one, you know, kind of guide me towards this. I just knew what I wanted. And I knew that if I, I wanted to get there, um, I needed to work. You know, I've always felt like before you get a promotion, you have to you have to be doing the job really that you want the promotion for. Um, you can't just do your job, uh, you know, mediocre and expect to get that next bump. Um, and so I've always worked, I think, or tried to work at a higher level um, because I wanted to get to that next level. So that that's that's awesome. Like it's it's like doing an investment. You're spending right. your time uh, and you're on like, let's say labor. And, and it's really good to see that you had that mentality early on. And and we, we've we had many guests here talking about internship and, and investing that opportunity, planting to harvest that, that later on in your, in your career. I think that's, that's awesome. And I'm glad that you, that you, you brought that up. And, and I believe that help, shape you where you are today so uh that's our next step that's something that we are going to talk about uh you've mentioned that you you live in south dakota now can you tell us more about your job and and what you do on the daily basis and and things that you you've been working on sure and and i might back up a little bit and just give you a little background of uh kind of some of the moves i've made to land to land awesome. in this particular area so um, when I was managing the bull test um, and attending Cal, well, first off, let me back up further. Um, so getting into the animal science uh, department at Cal Poly was not easy. Um, it was highly impacted. I was a standard student. I also worked over full-time hours the entire time I was going to school. So I actually had to transfer from Cuesta into Cal Poly um, under uh, a different major, was an ag engineering major. And then lucky for me, um, with my contact already in place at the beef department um, and, and acquiring that job, that position there, I worked with Mike Hall, um, who, you know, kind of helped me make that transfer to animal science um, based upon basically my work uh, labor <laughs> at the beef department. And so that, again, you, you know, I, I may not have been out the door uh, the best student, um, but 
you know, I think Mike saw that I was going to work in the industry and he, he sort of helped me along in that respect. Um, transfer majors, which, which I I'm forever grateful for. Um, and so, um, in doing that too, and managing the bull test, we actually had five rivers cattle feeding out, um, for kind of a presentation. And, um, at that presentation, they offered me an internship, uh, which I accepted and went and interned, um, at their Yuma, Colorado feed yard, um, for, for a summer at the end of that internship. Um, and this was the year before I finished school, they then offered me um, a paid position um, at the Yuma Yard, uh, which I accepted. And uh, upon graduation, um, uh, my wife and I we we got married the last uh, the last uh, quarter at Cal Poly. Actually, um, we decided to uh, go ahead and move out that way. And so um, I worked for uh, Five Rivers for about a year in the feed department um, there at the Yuma, Colorado feed yard. And that, that experience, um, you know, that was another one. It, it, it didn't pay, um, a lot at all, but you know, we had 120,000 head on feed working with high level nutritionists, managing feed intake. And at the time, uh, actually I was responsible for rolling out Zilmax, which was still available, um, on the feet, you know, on a large scale feed yard level, which was it was a fun project for me, um, to be a part of and kind of learning that process, um, and how to implement that, you know, on such a scale. And so, um, I gained a lot of experience there. Um, but then we eventually found out we were having, um, our son. And so, you know, being, uh, young and, uh, in the middle of nowhere, Colorado, we decided, you know, maybe we ought to get back near family. So we actually decided to move back home, uh, to the central coast area where I took a job managing, um, a, a small cattle and alfalfa growing operation for an absentee owner, um, that lived down in Newport beach. It was out in, um, the Pozo area east of Santa Margarita. And so, um, I was out there, um, running that operation and then also, um, in full-time sales for farm supply. Um, they actually offered me a position out of school, um, where I became a, a dealer designated agent, um, where I facilitated, you know, kind of all of the paperwork and things for uh, pesticides and insecticides. Did you have a question, Pedro? No, 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 no. Okay. I'm just um, so <laughs> just a wide swath of, um, it, you know, kind of different experience there being mixed with the cattle side of things. Um, and from that point, um, we ended up finding out we were having our daughter and we had some major complications with my daughter. My wife had to go into, um, the hospital actually for the last three months of the pregnancy. Um, and so I had a one-year-old and running the ranch and working full-time. Um, and it was, uh, it, it was a trying time in our life, but lucky, um, God was good. And, and we made it through that. And both my wife and daughter were, were okay. My daughter did, um, end up, you know, being born a bit early and spent some time in the NICU, but, um, you know, came out of that, um, a healthy, healthy girl. So, um, but that being said, uh, you know, that, that's one more mouth to feed. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I, I needed to make a move in order to allow my wife, to kind of stay home and focus on that part of our family. So, um, I was approached, um, you know, with a few options at that point, uh, both of which in the central Valley on seed stock operations. Um, and I decided to accept a position with Sierra ranches out of Modesto as their cattle manager. So we moved up there and, um, I managed their commercial cow herd, 
Um, at the time, it was about 500 commercial cows, and we ran about, oh, well, and of those commercial cows, half of those were probably recips for the, the purebred program. So Sweet. when I took that on, um, we had kind of a handful of, you know, high-quality donors um, and, you know, maybe 100 purebred cows um, at the time. And my job was primarily focusing on those donors and, you know, getting them ready to flush, um, synchronizing our recips, um, you know, tagging calves, branding calves, you know, managing day to day. I did have um, one employee that helped me, but it, it was a lot. It was, we were running hard every day. Um, but, you know, that's how you learn, you know, you're thrown into the fire. And um, I just kind of had to develop programs that would work and, um, you know, move forward, uh, in a way where, where we were successful, um, and, and, and able to manage it with the employees and assets we had in place. So, um, I learned a lot there, great, a lot great. there. Well, what, one of the things that's very, uh, nice that I'm, I'm like taking notes here and, and is looking back in, in your first job and how, how you ended up in there in five rivers is just, it reminds me how I ended up here. And, and sometimes people are watching us and we don't know who they are and they may offer us a job in the future. So always try to be out there and talking to people and, and, and I'm, be who you are, but be nice and be like uh, present. I would say that's, that's very, very important. You never know who is watching you, who is listening to you. So maybe the person who is, uh, you're giving a tour in a facility that you work at the university and you're just explaining a research project that you are helping on. So, and maybe somebody that's watching you there, it's going to be your future boss or future colleague, something like that. It's it's very nice to always be be present. And, and I can see that that on you, uh, that was, was what you were talking about your, your first job. So I think that's that's really nice. And, and you came back to California, you work, like you said, uh, you were in a fire and, and work hands-on experience uh, and you had some uh, family issues, but you kept doing so. How do you end up in, in South Dakota? Uh, yeah. You this, the background. So how so, was the Well, there's a couple more stops that kind of explain this way. So, um, and I'll, I'll rush through them quickly, but um, in that time at Sierra Ranches, um, you know, my family just decided that uh, we... Uh, we won't, we kind of missed the central coast, missed our family. Um, and along those lines, um, it was just hard having two young children, one with, um, some special needs, um, and, and, and working that lifestyle. Um, and so, um, I actually, uh, changed positions and accepted a job as an outside territory manager, um, for a building products distributor, believe it or not. So we sold fencing, um, and that's where my background came in is, is all of the ag sales, um, you know, they were easy, but I had to learn everything from selling shingles to nails to rebar. Um, but the, why I'm mentioning this is, you know, managing um, the money, the volume that flowed through that uh, distribution warehouse um, was a great experience for me. And it also allowed me to create a track record, even though it wasn't in the industry I wanted to be in, um, create a track record for you know, building relationships and increasing sales. And it was all recorded, you know, on um, their performance analytics that I could then bring with me and, and, and then say, hey, you know, I, I increased this territory by 30% in a year, um, which, which really helped, um, I think, 
kind of for my own self, uh, just, you know, confidence and knowing, you know, that that arena was something that I wanted to get into again, the sales, the harder you work, the more money you typically make in a commission based environment. Um, but then also um, just managing that and, and, and learning from a nationwide company, you know, kind of how to set up those performance analytics to make sure you're moving in the right direction. So I, I did that for about a year and a half. Um, and then I, I moved up, uh, our family decided to move up to Dixon, uh, Rio Vista area in Northern California, um, where I accepted um, the uh, breeding herd division manager position with our Amy livestock. So they're a fifth generation um, livestock company. And I say livestock because they're not just purely cattle. Um, we ran quite a few sheep uh, based out of Rio Vista, California. Um, and I was there the last five years. So um in that role in Rio Vista, um, you know, I was responsible mainly for managing our cow and ewe flock. So the cow herd was comprised of 1,500 mother cows, um, and the ewe flock uh, was made up of about 6,000 uh, Western whiteface uh, fine wool sheep. Um, but additionally, um, my role kind of rolled over to aiding in in a lot of our um, you know, program implementation, um, you know, uh, vaccine program uh, protocols for our feeder cattle um, and feeder lamb operation. We ran about 8,000 feeder calves and 20,000 lambs on pasture in Dixon. Um, and then we also had a sheep feed yard located about five miles from the Superior plant in Dixon. Um, mm -hmm. It has about a 20,000 head capacity and we turned that over about four times a year. So, you know, another 80,000 lambs through there. So, I was kind of all over the place, uh, but my main focus was the breeding herd. And in that, you know, I worked with some of the best people I feel in the industry, um, young people, the owner of the company, um, you know, at the time I was hired on was uh, Dick Amy, who was, I think he was 89 at the time. Um, but his, his great, or not his great, his grandson, uh, Ryan Mahoney, uh, was about 35 or so when I got hired and I was around, well, I guess Ryan was 33 and I was about 30, but anyway, um, you know, we were close to the same age. Um, the CFO was also already a good friend of mine around our age. So our core management team, we, we were young, we were passionate and we wanted to move things forward. And so when I started there, I mean, we didn't have an ear tag in a cow. I mean, no way to identify anything. Um, we had a really good set of cows. We had a, so 500 of those 1500, um, cows were purebred Angus, um, that we raised strictly for producing replacement females that fed into the thousand head herd of terminal animals, which were actually enrolled in the American Kobe beef program with agribeef. So mm -hmm. we would lease Wagyu bulls from agribeef, turn them out on our cows. And all those calves were pre-contracted back to agribeef. Um, tremendous program. Cool. Um, but yeah, so I kind of had to maintain this, this purebred herd of, of Angus cows, as well as uh, the commercial herd while developing the U flock at the same time. And, and it, it was quite a bit, but I had a lot of good help. Um, and the leadership from, from Ryan Mahoney was just tremendous. And during that time, uh, we implemented EID uh, tags um, and um, technology across both the U flock and the cattle um, and used, you know, that information to just kind of fine uh, tune our calving window um, fine tune, you know, our fertility, um, you know, at, at preg check, uh, we would call by month. And so, you know, on an annual basis, I could follow, you know, how many cows did we have bred up in that first 30 day window? How many in the second, how many in the third, we would typically mm -hmm. calf for 90 days. 
Um, but it was nice to watch as we moved the needle closer to that 30 to 60 day cool. window. Yes. So, and we would have never been able to do that without the, the tags and the technology. The other thing it was great for was, you know, if we grafted a calf um, to a cow that maybe lost her calf, well, at the end of the season, she comes in and we think she raised a calf, right? Now I have a wand and we run her through the shoot at preg check and it, it yells at me and alerts me, hey, she killed her calf. She needs to go down the road. And so, you know, using that technology to do that was really helpful. Yeah, those so. are like management tools that we 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 have to implement like they're like oh. say simple but they work like that those are the principle of a good management strategies keeping records and taking a decision out of those those records a lot of time we first like when you arrived looks like they were not even getting numbers uh and then you you went there and you implemented some uh, strategies to to get some records And the good thing is that you were taking decisions on farm decisions to move on based on, on those records. Sometimes we're just collecting data and we don't know what to do. But like you said, you were pushing the breed season to be shorter. So you have more uniform animals, more consistent animals. That's that's pretty cool that you were able to move on that as well. Well, thanks. And I think when you're running an operation like that, you run hundred miles an hour, 24 seven. And so we really needed to figure out, Hey, how are we going to manage this? What traits do we need to focus on? And is it going to be feasible? Because that, that, I think that's the barrier with a lot of commercial operations is that they're just working so hard, uh, you know, in so many hours that when are they going to have the time to figure this out? So we invested in some technology that wasn't cheap, but it made my, my job a lot, a lot easier. Um, and, Honestly, it carried into everything. I mean, our replacement heifer program just turned into what I feel it's just a tremendous program where we we turned our focus towards sustainability um, and efficiency. Mm -hmm. um, and I started only buying feed intake tested bulls, um, you know, that went into that uh, replacement female program. But at the same time, we're cattlemen. And if those cattle didn't breed up or they had poor feet, they had to go down the road. And when you get into that you know, feed efficiency is, is really a, a terminal trait to a degree. Um, and so, you know, when you look at, you know, especially RFI as a tool, you need to be careful, um, you know, and, and really make sure you're balancing that with proper back fat to maintain fertility, um, foot quality, um, in the Angus breed, um, and, and other traits. And so, um, having, you know, my sires in, in our database, and then, you know, utilizing the GeneMax Advantage uh, test through Zoetis um, for parentage um, and uh, their commercial cow indexes, you know, I was able to take my group of heifers every year um, and realize, you know, sires on all of them, have that in my database. I took weaning weights, I took breeding weights, I took pelvic measurements, We threw all that in the database and I compared that to the genomic EPD or not EPDs, but the genomic predictions I was provided through that GMAX Advantage test and kind of scrolled through for my for my top performers. Um, but what I would do is, you know, at, at, we would breed those cattle maybe two weeks um, to a month prior to our main cow herd. Um, so they would calve a bit early so we could concentrate on calving out those heifers where we may or may not have some issues and then move on to the cow herd. Um, and that being said, you know, when we breed those cows, we would then ultrasound those cattle at 30 days, uh, 
gestation uh, from the AI breeding. So at that point in time, um, you know, we would have, we would be able to identify all those cows that were bred up early to the AI. Then I go back in the system and put alerts for my wand um, on all those heifers that had good performance data, um, you know, good uh, genetic data, as well as were sired from the top end bulls. So when we ran those cattle back through the squeeze chute and I'd scan them and they preg checked bread and it said, oh, you know, they were out of, uh, you know, let's say, uh, you know, brew an ear heart or a, a, just a bull that we knew had some good feed efficiency, some good performance right then on the shoot, I could then kick them a, a direction and send them to that maternal herd. I was telling you about of those 500 cows. So we got to the point where we're sending the top fertility, the top feed efficiency, um, you know, our, our top animals into that group. And man, I'll tell you what, in, in the five years I was there, um, there was a lot of genetic progress made in that area, but we never could have done it had we not first implemented, you know, that, that tracking system. That's, so. that's really cool. So, yeah, so that's really nice. So how, but again, the, it's, it's a third time that I'm asking this question and hopefully <laughs> we get the answer now. Uh, <laughs> how and why you, you, you left and tell us some more about your current job. You, you gave the background. So what do you do today and what is your favorite part uh, of your current job and, and, Tell us more about the sales. Like you, looks like you you had some sales background, and you went and a lot of management and collecting data. And was that that like now you work in a company that help producers and university collecting data? Is that what you drove to this current job uh, and and getting passion on that? Right. So I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, I, uh, I tried to work with Amy Livestock to move uh, an operation out of state for three years because I was so invested in that program and that company and love the ownership there. And I'd still be there if they had, <laughs> had, if they had done that. Now, but I mean, bottom line is they're just tremendous, um, that family. But um, with, uh, with having a, a few young children and, um, uh, you know, the current climate out west um we simply made the choice that we wanted to move out this direction for our family um that being said i started to uh to look and see what was available and i'd actually run into uh sealock at the ncba show down in phoenix when it was there oh about six years ago i think now and so I knew about the technology. I'd actually thought about it for bringing it on, um, you know, for, for monitoring maybe some of our own heifers um, for feed efficiency. And so the feed intake feed efficiency side was something I was already passionate about. And they had this position open up out here in Western South Dakota, um, you know, for sales. And, you know, I just thought to myself, well, I've, I've kind of used this, this stuff and I, I know how to do it, you know, and it on, on a pretty good size scale. And I thought, well, you know, I'll look into this and, and have a, have a conversation with them. So, um, I, I reached out and, and, um, we had a, our first conversation and it just seemed like something that I would really enjoy doing. I, I, I love working with people and, and more importantly, I love solving problems. And, you know, first and foremost, I'm a producer. I mean, we run, you know, a few cows, not many at all. Um, mm -hmm. you know, some sheep still, but it, that's my passion. And so when we start looking at, where the industry's going, um, where possible regulations are coming, you know, down the road. Um, mm -hmm. I'd say that the green feed product that Sealock sells is what really 
kind of made me decide to take that jump. I wanted to be involved with implementing the methane and carbon dioxide emission monitoring on ranch because I wanted it to be done the right way. I wanted to be able to help uh, guide that the right direction where it becomes an opportunity for producers, um, you know, not uh, a liability. And so that's really why I decided to take this position and, and move out this way. And in my current position in sales um, and business development, I'm responsible for working with everybody from the USDA to private companies that are uh, facilitating uh, feed additive research to uh, universities, um, you know, uh, and extension um, research folks to commercial uh, far, or, you know, ranches and dairies um, that are just looking to improve. Um, and so for me, it, every day is something new and every day we're improving the industry. And I think that's why, um, you know, I've enjoyed it so far. So that's, that's nice. And, and it looks like there are kind of three things here that I get from all of your background and, and your job today. Uh, your passion about beef cattle and, and cattle industry. That's, that's really nice. Uh, you also have like experience on working different levels from production to commercial and you you love communication uh i always like to ask like a person like you develop a really nice career like a lot of different uh uh experience what are the the challenges that that you 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 think that you 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 faced when you're starting your career how how did you overcome that and especially this communication this is that like were you uh, looking for taking some sales training or things like that? What are what are the advice that you can give to people who are uh, going out of school? Say, hey, I want a sales career. What are what is the thing that you cannot miss, uh, or, or where to look for the resources? Like, it, it it's not something that you just like get that naturally. Like we can see that you were building that on throughout your career. But is there any tip that you can give to to our listeners on on that side? You bet. That's a that's a great question. It's kind of one that's hard to answer um, to a degree. You know, I would always say that if you want something bad enough, you'll figure out a way to do it, um, and you will utilize all resources available uh, to do that. So, um, you know, I I really don't have any formal sales training, but what I do have is my experience as a customer. So I, you know, in running some of these operations, I've dealt with people in my position. Um, you know, I've been the one requesting quotes. I've been the one implementing the technology on farm. And so I know some of the uh, hurdles that my customers will see in, in starting a new project um, or even simply getting a project funded. Um, and I think that for me personally, I think that being successful in this role is is mainly tied to uh, just a personal belief that if you don't ever fail, you're not trying. I mean, when I started, just back up a little bit to when I started out in this, I mean, I, I couldn't rope, I couldn't do anything. So you go out there and you look like a fool for a while. You do. Uh, but you know what? I was okay with that because I, I was building those skills. And I think you can't be afraid to fail. You really need to just jump out there and do it. But I would also say, I think a lot of folks want to go straight to the top. They want to skip all the middle part and get to maybe the now. And that's not how it works. That's not, that's not how you get there. And that's not how you maintain that long-term. And I think 
you need to look at every opportunity as, as building blocks and, and really work hard and, and make sure you are uh, maintaining your reputation in those relationships, because in the livestock business, it's relationships, it's a hundred percent relationships. And so, you know, we, uh, um, we just need to maintain those relationships, proliferate those relationships and, and they lead to uh kind of more success. So that's, that's awesome. I, I had, I had kind of one of the notes that I took here is like, you were building knowledge, you were getting experience and you, and you, you phrase that as building skills or uh, building blocks. Uh, so do not skip the middle. And that's awesome to hear that because a lot of times we want to do that. I like it's it's natural. We we want to be on that position where we see somebody that's successful. I would say, but not like we we don't know the struggles that those people had to face to to get there. So it's it's very nice to hear that uh, from from your perspective. And one one hey, last question, Pedro. Pedro, yeah. let me add one more thing. You also need to know your value. So you know, if you are in a, in a work environment, that's, that's maybe not healthy, or you don't feel that you are being valued to the caliber in which you should be, you need to not be afraid to make a move. I mean, that's, that's the thing I, I, you know, I, you, you can't be afraid to make a move and I'm not, in no way advocating to jump ship, uh, very often, but you do need to, be able to see an opportunity and take it and, and not worry about, you know, we're back to failing, but I really do think, um, uh, you know, just, you know, don't, don't find your value in what other people think about you, you know, find it, uh, kind of in yourself and just know and, and demand it. That's yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good to, to hear that because yeah, like don't, don't be, uh, struggling for forever and and that's that's also really important to to say one one last thing like what is what is something that you that you have to deal today that you are not expecting when you're finishing your degree what is something that you you learned that and say wow that's really surprised me uh and i i didn't know about this um let me think about this for a second um you know, I would say that in my position now, so I am the only one on our team um, without a master's or a PhD um, mm -hmm. because I went straight into the workforce. And um, I have debated whether or not I go back and do that. But at this point, you know, I, I don't think I ever will um, just because I, I don't view it as a barrier at this point. Um, I mean, there's folks with PhDs that, that are calling, calling me for advice on, on, on projects and things. And it's, um, you know, so I guess I didn't know at the time that, um, it was kind of possible to get into this role just through experience and work. I, I did think, you know, I'm going to have to go back to school and get a master's or get a PhD. And I am in no way advocating not doing that. I I'm just <laughs> saying at this point in my life, um, you know, I, uh, I have a lot of people asking me, Oh, you, you know, you should get your, your master's or PhD so you can do this or that. And I just, uh, you know, I didn't realize how, how much I would enjoy working 
um, in kind of a sales commission-based role where, you know, the harder you work, the more you are rewarded. Um, I always thought I would have a salary job and that would be that. Um, but, uh, you know, as I've progressed, I'd say, so I didn't know that aspect, um, I, you know, that that performance-based um, uh, pay would be, uh, you know, and reward um, would just be something that I really, really enjoyed. I, I, I thought I would be, I thought I'd be working in a cow camp, you know, making uh, a lot less money, but uh, riding horses every day and it didn't turn out that way. So, well, that's, that's very nice to hear that a lot of, I've talked to people who has graduate degrees and and I asked them what is the what is the thing that you you got and a lot of people said I had more time to meet more people I had time to build experience and and that's exactly what you did in a different way working and, and having your boots on the ground I think that's that's very important uh I think I'm going to jump up to to our last steps. Do you have any questions so far, Brooke? Is there anything that I missed that about Jeff's career before we want to know more about his personal uh, life? No, I think we covered pretty much everything with that. Yeah. So, Jeff, uh, now we, we are going towards to the end. If there is something that we missed, you can bring up again. We are going to record another episode to talk about some of your more specifically some things that you've been working on. But now it's it's time we have our uh, uh, quick questions. We we say quick quick answers, but they are not always short answers. It's just some some short uh, questions that we want to to get to know more about you. So the first one is, uh, what is your favorite food? <laughs> Mexican food, and I miss <laughs> it so much being in uh, South Dakota. Oh man, the the Mexican food in California is is a little bit better than we have out here. So that's that's a winner for sure. Like I don't know how many people have have answered that to you. I don't know. We have over I don't know. Now we are getting over sixty episodes. Every month we have somebody in the career call, and I know probably half of them have said Mexican food. So uh, the other half is steak, but it's it's always good. <laughs> it's all the beef. Yep. The beef. There's a beef involved. Uh, what is what is your uh, favorite type of song or the things that you like to listen in your radio? I don't know if you travel a lot, but what do you usually play in in your in your truck? Yep. Um, so I'm a when I started roping and stuff, I got into like Riata roping and kind of the old California style roping. I mean, I had big tepideros on my saddle and big, you know, mule hide wrapped horn. And so um, I, I listened to a lot of like old kind of like cowboy type music. Um, Dave Stamey, for example, he's a great one, um, you know, and uh, and then kind of some more, uh, you know, new age um stuff uh i'm a fan of cody jinx um you know cody johnson's pretty good uh but uh you know believe it or not i don't listen to enough podcasts um when <laughs> i'm driving um i really should but uh i find it kind of therapeutic to just kind of listen to some good music and when i'm traveling so that's good i i mean i i do both and or I, I listen music sometimes i listen podcasts and audiobooks are addictive to to all of them uh one one last question, and that's a little bit philosophical. With you mentioned that a little bit, but what is something that you, if you are finishing school today, uh, what is something that you know today that you would like to go back and tell yourself? Uh, 
if we're finishing school. Something you you mentioned about the degree thing, but it's like Jeff finishing school. What is something that you know today that you wish you knew back then? I wish I would have known that I would want uh, the higher degrees. Um, so, because I, I tell you right now, I don't want to go back and do that. But had I known I would need and want that in my current role, I wish I would have done it back then. It would have been a lot easier without kids, without a career, without a mortgage payment. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I would say if you are thinking you may ever want those things down the road, do it now, do it when you're young, don't stop, um, you know, and, and continue down, down that path. Um, and, and don't, also don't feel like if you don't get where you're wanting to go in the first five years out of school um, that you you failed or uh, you won't make it. Uh, you know, it's life's a lot longer, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things. So that's that's pretty cool. That's that's really, really nice to know. I, I there is a phrase that I always like to bring that like the best day to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best day is today. So do things not not on rush like think think about the future uh the last question and i almost forgetting because we implemented that on our, our last uh episode what do you see as a next in the beef industry what do you see as the future for for our industry and maybe that's something that we are going to cover in the next episode i don't know <laughs> yeah no i think i think we will um but what I'm seeing now, so I'm fortunate enough to get to travel around the country quite a bit. And I also deal with people overseas, um, Australia, Ireland, New Zealand, um, you know, all around the world, really. And it's just really neat to be able to talk to uh, folks all over the place. And we all kind of come back to this common um, idea that, you know, the next thing we need to do um, is just continuous improvement as we have been doing, you know, but, but it's going to be in different areas where, you know, over the years, we've been very, very focused on low input costs, high output and performance. Those things are going to maintain the top spot um, as an industry as we move forward, but there's other opportunities that we're going to be putting into play um, specifically on the sustainability front. I mean, a lot of big business uh, nowadays has a sustainability uh, budget where they have money to spend in these areas. And, you know, we as livestock producers need to, you know, reduce some of our hesitation in adopting some of these technologies to monitor on-farm emissions and quantify that. So that way, that, that next opportunity um, you know, is going to be an asset um, in value adding to the farm uh, versus liabilities I'd mentioned prior. So I really see us uh, moving forward in a way where we're no longer maybe utilizing a lot of the um, kind of uh, equation-based emissions ratings where we're actually going to be able to start utilizing uh, actual baseline data from collected emissions from real world management practices. Um, and, and that's, that's where I see, I see this going. So that's, that's pretty cool, Jeff. Well, I appreciate your being with us. It's, it's been a good class of, of building knowledge, building experience 
and you're still pretty young and and it's 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 really nice to see. i i like to think that you're young because like we are almost the same age so <laughs> uh <laughs> so uh it's really nice to see last uh one of the last thing that we'd like to to ask is do you, it's our cattle call top tip we often ask about if you have any advice about uh, a book or a movie or something that you you like that our listeners are going to go and and watch or read or listen is there any anything that you that you would like to to leave as our cattle call top tip um you know to be honest um I really, I really don't, uh, have anything to add on that. I mean, I would say, um, if you are, are heavily involved in the beef side of the industry and you really want to get a handle on where, uh, you know, maybe the seed stock and commercial operations are at as far as their mindset and what they're working towards, um, right now, uh, you know, separate from maybe what academia thinks they should be doing. Um, I would highly recommend listening to the Angus Underground podcast. Um, a good friend of mine and and um, uh, Joe Fisher um, is a part of that podcast. And um, he, you know, I bought all my bulls from him um, when I was at Amy Livestock because I, I literally went to him and, and enjoyed his cow herd and just basically asked him to start feed intake testing. And he agreed and we set up that kind of relationship. But at any rate, the reason I mentioned that podcast and Joe in particular is Joe is a commercial cattleman at heart. And, you know, he has a good handle on what his customers need and want his, his family are commercial cattle ranchers. And so listening to that podcast, you not only get a good idea of where seed stock producers are at, what they're looking for, but you also can kind of gather um, a lot of good information in regards to what are their customers asking for? What are folks in the cattle industry demanding, um, you know, in their, on the genetic side. So I, I would recommend that. That's really cool. I like I'm addicted to podcasts and I haven't heard to so that's Angus Underground podcast. So that's, that's correct. That's Jeff's uh, uh top tip. Uh so that we're gonna take that. Jeff, uh now if anybody who is listening to us, how they can contact you and in, in your work at as in, in C Lock, how they can get a hold of you if our listeners wants to reach out to you to ask about your current job about the company that you work with how they can get to to know you better no you bet i i appreciate that um you know and and so and we've kind of covered emissions but we do offer a lot of products for uh in yard and, and pasture-based supplementation precision supplementation restricted feeding feed intake monitoring along with the emissions and so you can find us at c-lockinc.com um, you can find me on Instagram at Jeff Clark Livestock um, or Jeff Clark on Facebook. Um, and my phone, I'll give you my phone number right here on the podcast. Um, it's posted on our website. But if you want to just give me a call to talk cattle or talk, um, you know, production data um, or research, uh, feel free to give me a call 605-415-9602. Um, or, uh, you know, hop on our website and uh, you can find my email there and uh, shoot me a message. Awesome. Anything else, Brooke, or we we are okay for today? <laughs> nope, nothing for me. Great. So, Jeff, thank you very much once again. Uh, I appreciate that. It's been an awesome uh, to hear about your career. We'll have another podcast just to talk about something that you've been working on more specifically. 
but it's it's been very very nice our that's our first podcast that we bring people from the industry and i think we had a good start i just want to thank you very much i appreciate you being with us uh to our listeners if you guys have questions jeff already put his contact information but if you have any question or suggestions of people that you want us to interview that are working the beef industry more specifically, uh, send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com. All of Jeff's podcasts, uh, all, everything about this podcast is going to be in our newsletter. Uh, you can subscribe in the description of this episode and receive that every month as well as uh, get to, to know our podcast. So Jeff, thank you very much. I appreciate you being with us. Uh, looking forward for our next episode next week. You bet. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you very much. And remember, it's always a good time for a cattle call. A cowboy is singing this lonesome cattle call.